Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Coaching Minute. And today, I'm very excited because I have Sol. And is it Sol? Is it Villarreal? Is that how I say your last name? Villarreal, close enough. I mean, Villarreal. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Sol, you and I have known each other for some time, but you've been with Windermere for nine years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just joking because uh, Sol is in the uh, what we call the um, it's East Lake Windermere East Lake office, but it's really <laughs> South Lake Union or Fairview. I don't know, but anyways. Um, and actually, it's right next door to where I work, right next door to my office. So, Saul, today we're Saul. Today we're going to be talking about um, Chat GPT, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this is a topic that um, a lot of agents right now. Some have dipped their toes in the water. Some know it really, really well, but we're finding it to be a phenomenally useful tool. And I thought today we could just educate our listeners a little bit on number one, what it is, and number two, kind of how you're seeing it uh, roll into your business and benefit you and benefit your clients. And then we'll also talk a little bit about maybe what we shouldn't be doing with it. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't do everything. Um, yeah. So real quick, my understanding is just the acronym GPT is it's called uh, Generated Pre-Trained Transformer. Which generative. Is, generative, generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Generative Pre-Trained Transformer just mm-hmm. means that it can create and generate human-like responses. Yep. And... Yep. Uh, is that your understanding of it? Any any more than that? The technology, the transform, the T in GPT, the transformer technology was created by a bunch of Google engineers. I don't know, twenty, sometimes the last five, ten years, and they've all now gone on to start different companies and go to different companies. But they were the ones who kind of kicked this off, and it's really just grown exponentially from there. So essentially, what happened is that this technology has been around since twenty seventeen, right? It's not new. There's right. been but the version we saw in ChatGPT was like GPT 3.5. GPT 1 came out, I want to say 2018, 2019, something like that. So GPT 1, GPT 2, GPT 3, academics and research has been playing around with for years. So the big, the, the difference here is that the public had never gotten access to this technology. So this is not new technology, right? It's been around for a while. But when you just stick it out there in the world, people get to use it. It, it seems like magic because it's very different than a lot of consumer-facing tools we've had in the past. Absolutely. I heard some of the others say, say it's like Google on steroids, but it mm-hmm. actually, it's actually it's, it's actually you're having a conversation with it is what I've learned, right? It's, it's like real conversation. Um, the other thing too is that so everybody should know it does right now, from what I read, um, it only goes up to September 2021 in in data, so to speak. Yes, I mean, we we can talk about more than just ChatGPT, right? There's ChatGPT, there's BARD, there's Microsoft's kind of like, you know, hybrid of Bing and GPT-4. There's uh, just a bunch of other ones out there. Claude is one that I really like. So they have, and actually Google has a fantastic one called Search Generative Experience that kind of combines the best of the LLM technology with traditional search. So there's a wide variety of these out there. And ChatGPT is kind of like, it's like the Xerox of, of chatbots, right? Exactly. And what's, the one, you said, what's the one you said you like? You said, what's it called? 
So I, the, I, I sign up for all the betas of these things the moment that the weight was come available, so <laughs> all of them, you know, right. and the one that I come back to, well, using for different things, right? Uh, and we can get into that and, you know, yep. what they're good at and what they're not good at. But one, one that a lot of people probably are not using right now that I think you should absolutely sign up for is Google's Search Generative Experience, SGE. It's fantastic. Um, I forget how you get into it. You can Google, you know, you Google it, you Google know, it. SGE. Right. You'll figure out the little path. You have to sign up for one of their, you download one of their apps or something. But once you get into the beta queue, every time you do a Google search from your computer, or if you go to a special app, you know, the Google app on your phone, you have the option to, you know, in addition to your regular Google search, you can get a, an LLM, a large language model generated response that kind of like synthesizes everything from across the web and gives you, and this is real time, right? You wow. can ask the score to the Mariners game last night if you want to. And so it's totally up to date. It's very factual. So it's not as chatty as ChatGPT, but it doesn't have all of the hallucination and, you know, it, it actually is connected to facts and reality in a way that all the other chatbots are not. So I love SGE for searching for facts. You know, the other LLMs are really good for language tasks and things like this, but it's really a matter of knowing, you know, demystifying them, I think, and kind of not anthropomorphizing them, but thinking this is a tool, this is the way in which it's interacting with data on the back end, and how can I use that to get what I'm looking for and what's the right tool for the job? Right. So I think yeah, the danger is that people look at ChatGPT and they think, this is a, as smart as a human. I'm going to use it to like run a business. Like uh, people thought all these crazy things and ChatGPT came out. And it's just not good at most of that stuff, right? It has some things it's really, really good at. And a lot of things it's just not good at at all. So it's I think of these as new tools in the toolbox. They're great for certain things. They don't make any sense at all for most of what you want to do. So it's just a matter of figuring out what you want to use it for, figuring out where it's better than the existing tools, and kind of adding them as as tools in your toolbox. That's how I think about it. I love it, and I just so our listeners here, that's SGE. So so search Google experience. Search generative experience. Generative experience. Okay, perfect. It's a very clunky name, but you know, Google's right, exactly. names. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's let's talk about it. So so if if I if you were to think about like just for the basic things, like what what are some real simple things you're doing with it now in terms of providing uh, you know better experience for yourself as a real estate agent and also for your clients? I mean, I don't use it at all for real estate. <laughs> so that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I if you look at you know SGE is good for kind of synthesizing because the problem with the web right now, Google started out with this idea to kind of organize the web. Back at a time when the web was essentially static pages that you wanted to search for. And over time, the internet has gotten cluttered with a lot of garbage that's been created specifically to try to get onto the first page of Google. So as a result, Google searches are less relevant, right? It's, it takes more time to wade through everything. Stuff's gotten more fragmented across Reddit and Facebook and all this. So the information environment is just very different than it was you know, back in 2000 when Google was founded. And Google's core search product doesn't work as well anymore. So what I found all these to be most useful for is synthesizing large amounts of information uh, quickly and easily. And, you know, with SGE, that happens in a more condensed format. It's up to date. It's real-time information. It's, you know, if you're just looking for some facts and quick summaries, it's great. If you're looking for more in-depth stuff, the other chatbots can work. But I think of them about the same way that I think of, like, the Zestimate or the Redfin estimate, right? Like these are machine generated 
numbers, their answers, whatever they are, take them with a grain of salt, check them against other pieces of, of data, use it as maybe a starting point, but don't just look at this and think, yeah, this is definitely correct. But having said that, I like to use chat, uh, GPT-4 and Quad2 are the ones that I really like using. And I like just plugging in a complex, like an answer that is going to be really challenging to Google. They can give me in 10 seconds, right? right. I then have to, like, if I'm actually going to use that for anything, I got to go and check and double check and make sure that information is accurate. But it gives me a great starting point for Googling and following up further. Uh, so, you know, I use it primarily in areas that I don't have a lot of expertise in. It's really nice because the way these models work is they've just been trained on huge amounts of data. I mean, the Washington Post has a little tool where you can go online and look and see if a given website is in the training data for GPT-3. And ChatGPT or OpenAI doesn't release, they haven't told anyone anything about what's in GPT-4, which is the most advanced model, but you can see what's in GPT-3 because it's all out there. And so I just got this like random personal blog, you know, zero SEO, five people have ever read it, and it was it's in the training data, right? So they basically scraped the entire public internet along with a lot of Reddit and a lot of Twitter and like a lot of stuff. And they train the models. It, it's a neural network model, so it works, you know, it's not exactly the same thing as a human brain, but it's designed to try and mimic it in some ways. So it's essentially looking for patterns. And the more patterns you have that are more consistent, the better, the higher quality the data is going to be. So if you ask it, you know, I mean, like what's an example, like what are the 10 best things to do in Seattle, right? That's something that a million articles have been written about. There are very deeply carved lines in the data for that. So if you ask GPT-4, what are 10 things to do in Seattle? It's going to give you a good list of 10 things to do in Seattle, right? Because that data is all over the place. Right. If you ask it, you know, if I'm going to be in Azerbaijan on August 3rd, 2026, you know, I guess I have no idea, right? Yep. The more specific and, and unusual you get, the more out there and wild an answer you're going to get from it. So, you know, the LLMs are good for that kind of stuff. Where that applies to real estate, a lot of times is in, you know, like you said, you use it for generating SEO content for your blog. Yep. That's right. Like marketing copy, I think, is the biggest, the biggest place to use it in real estate right now. And the way I think about that stuff is that right now the chatbots are kind of at the level of what you could get an intern to do, right? Like uh, they're not going to be as good as somebody who's an expert in the field, but when it comes to language generation tasks, they're very good at generating language. So anytime you need to just generate something that you don't mind sounding the same as a million things that have been written in the past, they're actually very good at that stuff. They're also right. good at, you know, one of the people I follow likes to call surrealist prose. So, you know, write me a Bible verse in the style of, you know, whatever, whatever about a peanut butter sandwich, like it'll come up with some crazy things that are, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, what a temporary value to that. But if you look at the things where you're going to use it on an ongoing basis, writing kind of low level copies, but I think it's what I think their biggest use cases now. And you've seen that in, you know, the industries that are being impacted right now are kind of freelance copywriters and these types of things. So, you know, is it going to replace a journalist anytime soon? Absolutely not. Right. You know, you're going to be able to have a conversation with a client about real estate statistics. No. So, you know, it's a long way away from that stuff. I also like it gives you good layouts, I think, outlines to a starting point, if you will. Absolutely. So, for example, if I said, hey, I want to write a, a, a mid-year uh, market update uh, letter to my clients 
from uh, with the understanding that it's buyers and sellers that are going to be reading this and I'm a real estate agent, it'll generate a really great outline. And now yeah. it's not right. And then you can work that outline and put your content and your information in there. But within a matter of, you know, minute, you've got at least an outline that you can work off of that you can you can get. I mean, are you seeing some of those those applications uh, as well? Absolutely. But, you know, those are those are things you can Google in five seconds, too. Right. Like if you Google, give me an outline for this. Like that's the kind of stuff that's really good. at. If it's got a million data points, it's going to give you a very high quality output. So yeah. the simpler the thing, is, the simpler and the easier to look up the thing is, the better the result is going to be. And so, you know, that's why I, I like to think of it in terms of things that I'm not an expert in, but there's a lot of data about online, that is their sweet spot. Yes. You know, outlines, things like this that aren't like, you can see, look at them and say, okay, I can assess this. I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not asking it for a specific fact. Those things are great. The biggest downside to ChatGPT and their, those other chatbots right now is that they they literally have no relationship to facts, right? right. Trying to do is just create an output that is going to get them approval from a human being. That's it. They're like a trained dog who's been trained for the approval of humans. And so all everything they're doing is just, they're doing it to be able to get higher rates of approval from human beings. Right. They don't care what, like they have no way of even knowing whether it's true or not, right? All they're doing is looking for the, the patterns in the data that are getting the most approval. And yeah, so, you know, anything that doesn't require any kind of relationship to facts, fantastic. They're really good at it. Well, and so let's let's do a little deeper dive on this. So let's just give an example for our listeners to understand. So let's say that I've got a listing and I know, and I already know the facts about the listing. I know the size of the lot. I know where it's located. I know that type of information. So I plug that in because I wanted to, I wanted to produce a description, right? A, a, a nice, a nice ad copy to go into my, my description for my listing. So it spits it out. At that point, you need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not copy paste. Right? <laughs> you, you need to read it and make sure it's factual. But here's the thing I think where some some uh, of our listeners may not understand that this is conversation. So I can now start asking questions and start tweaking it by asking it questions. Yeah. I can say, you know, if it's too long, I can say, well, let's start off by making it shorter. Right. And so all of a sudden it shortens it. And then I can say, uh, you know, Tell me some of the amenities that are around this particular uh, address. Mm, I wouldn't do that. If I, again, it can't. Well, well, that, right, no so, so tell me, tell me about that. So that that's what I'm trying to get to. So yeah. what, this what, this is the big thing I think is that you know we tend to think of these as human agents that respond like humans do, and instead it's worth thinking about them as completely, totally alien robot intelligences, right? And so you know. That's what you want to be careful of. Don't ask it what's around this. It has no idea, right? It doesn't know Google Maps. It doesn't have that data. It's got no no concept of place or geography or anything like that. The only reason it knows what's in Paris is because it's digested a million articles about what's in Paris. Yes. So don't ask it what's near this address. It's not going to tell you, right? At some point in the future, maybe it's going to know. Google's piece that's actually plugged into Google Maps, like SGE might be able to tell you that, yeah. but you know, ChatGPT doesn't know what's around the address. So, so if you're... Mm -hmm. No, so this is a great. This is I, this is why I wanted you to talk about this because yeah. what I found is instead what we you can say to it is say, what clarification questions can I answer that could make this more detailed? And when I do that, it's amazing because now and now it's causing me to think and put in information that I know. But those clarification questions that I that it asked me that it lists them. You know, let's say there's ten. 
then I start answering those because those are based on my knowledge, right? And what I want to put in there. And now all of a sudden it spits out even a more, a, a better description, if you will, but I'm answering the questions. Well, what I would recommend doing instead, you know, going back and refining it, that's a great technique. The other one that goes hand in hand with that is setting the context up front. So I think of this as kind of like setting the, the context window for different parts of the training data. Because you just say, write me a marketing description. It's going to pull from all sorts of different places. If you say, you are the best listening agent who's ever lived. You do 100 plus transactions a year. You know, you've got to have a team of six people working with you. You've hired a professional marketing agency. You know, you're the best person at writing copy in the country right now. Write me marketing remarks with these constraints. It's going to give you much better output. So you can be really, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff to, to look at around how you prompt the models. But again, like people think of this as like a, an intelligence that you're interacting with that's processing what you're saying, understanding it, and then giving something back to you. And that is not what's happening. So you, the more you can spell out for it, the, the better results you're going to get. And it's going to be very different. Um, I, that's, I think it's the biggest thing to wrap your head around. It's very difficult, but it isn't actually a, it's, you're not having a conversation. You're just inputting text. It's seeing what it thinks the statistical right answer is based on that and giving it back to you. Right. So what you put in is going to have a big impact on what you put out. And the context window setting is actually really, really powerful. So just like telling it where to look in the training data essentially is what you're doing. So give me an example of that. Like if you were to do it, like what, what this is, let's just give, give the listeners an example so you guys see this in their mind. What would that look like? So there's a, I, I've read a bunch of blog posts about this. And one of the, the best examples that I, I saw in the blog post was someone was talking about, I, I don't remember a specific example, but it was some kind of like, you know, I, it was trying to explain why so many tornadoes happen in Kansas. Okay. So starting answer question was like, why does so many tornadoes happen in Kansas? And, you know, because a lot of articles have been written about this based on faulty information or bad data, right? It's just spitting out whatever it's seen. So it kind of spits back, okay, these are the reasons why more tornadoes happen in Kansas. And then they asked the question we get, and they said, okay, you're a professional meteorologist, you know, you've had a bunch of published, whatever the prompt was, basically, you're an expert in this, is the context they're setting. Now what explained to me the same question? And it gave a completely different answer based on actual science that was factually accurate. So it makes a huge difference what the context is that you're setting for the model, what answer you're going to get back. In the same way you say, you know, if one to me at a 10th grade level versus a fifth grade level, it's going to give you different answers. So that context setting up front, I think, is probably the biggest, the most powerful piece that a lot of people aren't doing right now that will make the biggest difference in the output you get back. And then once you get it, yeah, go back and forth, tweak it, absolutely refine it. Don't just take the first draft and go with that. Right. So uh, so one of the things I read the other day also, too, is that it um, it understands uh, personality types. Understanding is, I'm going to stop on that. It doesn't understand anything. Okay, so let's, let's talk about capable of understanding. It has data that it can can, can extract from its information <laughs> on personality types. And and the reason why I bring this up is because I was playing with this the other day, um, saying, okay, I uh, write this uh, with the with the idea that, uh, that my reader is a, is and we talked about DISC, D-I-S-C, because that's what it pulls from, is, is a dominant in the DISC or is an influencer in the disc, or is a piece, whatever it is, right? And it yeah. was amazing just the way it changed the wording. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's my point, right? You set that context up front, and it's going to give you a completely different output. Yeah. And so it's, that is, I think, the most powerful thing about it is that, I mean, I think about ChatGPT and these tools as like 
vast unexplored continents that most of us kind of like get onto the shore up and like, man, that's a really pretty tree, you know, like we have no idea what these things are capable of. One of the most popular jobs in Silicon Valley right now is prompt engineer. And these are literally just people. They have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to sit down and try and figure out what these systems can do. So, so they're just they're just writing prompts. They're just they're just running prompts. prompts nope. Like there's you or me sitting down in front of ChatGPT, just writing like do this. You know, the prompt might be two pages long, right? Like, but it's just amazing what you can get these systems to do with language. They're like language wizards. They're not fact wizards. So that's the important thing. Right. Fantastic language, not good at facts. I mean, to be fair, in certain contexts, they're actually pretty good at facts, but you never want to take that. You always want to take it with a grain of salt. Right. And looking at a fact from one of these systems, don't take it at face value. Yeah. So let's so so if we were to give like three, three or four things that if 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 in real as an agent today, where if you said, okay, I'm going to use this tool, what what would you say to somebody if they said, okay, here's a couple things you can do with it um, that, that you found to be beneficial? Yeah, I think it all depends, right? There's so many different things we do as agents. So when yeah. I think about the tools in their current state and the core, you know, the core practices of real estate, I don't think they overlap, right? I don't think there's anything in the core practice of what you need to do our job or working with buyers and working with sellers and all these things. There's not a lot there. Right. It's kind of more around the edges right now. Marketing copy, coming up with, you know, language to put on your, your farming piece. If you want help writing marketing remarks, sure. But I, I think you could get a much better marketing remarks if you write them yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think for most people, it's going to be the types of things we're talking about where you're generating content, using it to start outlines for work you're doing is a great one. Um, you know, if you're doing research on, on things that are very prominent in the online record they can help in summarizing that but i still think they're a fringe use case for most of us right now i think the kind of opportunities down the road are once you know zillow and redfin and the mls right, in some potential use case in the future once these enormous databases of real estate information start getting access to these models on a deeper level and the models start getting trained on them at that point, then you open up some interesting use cases for the general public where you can say, you know, show me houses, there are three bedrooms, and you can like use a natural language interface to do real estate search. But even then, right, that's an incremental improvement on, on where we are. So we're gonna think about what do we need to do to be able to get to a spot where, you know, this has some kind of transformational value for our industry. I, I think it really all comes down to it's kind of the holy grail, right? Like we have MLS data fields right now for number of bathrooms, number of bathrooms, a certain number of things, but being able to have algorithms analyzing listing photographs in real time and categorizing them accurately. So you can say, I want an open floor plan. You know, I want a house with this kind of configuration. Once you can do natural language search for things that are not discrete data fields, that's going to be a huge game changer, but we're so far away from that right now. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I guess the biggest piece of advice I would have for people around these systems is get in there, play around with them, use them, but don't feel like you're missing out on not using these as a core part of your real estate practice because they're just not there yet. And then, and then what, where can we get in trouble with this tool? I mean, 
get the flip side of that, right? You can get in trouble with it. But there's a great story about this lawyer in New York who was doing research for a case and just plugged it into ChatGPT and said, hey, ChatGPT, you know, what are the cases that relate to this? And it spat out a bunch of very realistic sounding answers that were utter nonsense. And he took those utter nonsense answers into court and he almost lost his law license over it. So, you know, my my golden rule when it comes to any kind of automation, blah, 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 et cetera, is never trust robots completely. That's yeah. it. Keep that in mind. Okay. Right. And and I and I think and here and here I think where this this message you just gave is so important because uh you know, uh, I think sometimes in our industry, uh, and I'm not judging, I'm just reporting. We're kind of like water and we'll take the path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I mean by that is you go, oh, wow, so look at I can just spit some data in the, or just plug some data in here and it generates this thing and I'm going to use it. And we don't really go back in and take some time to actually look at it and read it and understand if it's accurate or what it's saying. And then, you know, that goes out there uh, into the interwebs and now or onto our listing or wherever we happen to be using it. And it comes to be not correct. Uh, you know, there's 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 problems there. Absolutely. And yeah. the one thing I will actually say, probably the biggest way in which this is going to impact our industry in the short term, based on where the tools are right now, is that essentially what this does is it takes very low quality content and makes it easier to make that into you know mid quality content. That's essentially what it does right now for content, and that's breaking the internet currently. Right. There are message boards right now that are just happening to be shut down because people were flooding them with just low quality AI generated content. But the area where this is going to really have a big impact and already is probably having a big impact is spam, phishing attacks, right? If we thought that the, the sophistication of people trying to steal, you know, trying to, to get people's earnest money and their, their cash to close through wire fraud was good now, just wait, right? Now, anybody at a computer anywhere in the world can write a real sounding English language, you know, context appropriate email in two minutes. Yeah. And so I think the biggest immediate impact is that we're going to see these phishing attacks just get much more sophisticated and much more difficult to defend against for ourselves as for officers and clients. And I think that's the big upside of it, or the, the downside of these tools is that we always have no idea what they're capable of in a lot of areas. And we live in a world in which the value of kind of like high quality content has already been degraded so far that most of the content we're consuming is already fairly low quality content. And these things can generate low quality content at scale. So, you know, it becomes much easier for bad actors to be able to abuse that. And, and the other thing that they're great at is writing code. So they make it like there's already communities and specific like open source you know, versions of the tools people put together just to write malware, right? right. So and this is actually another thing I'll say that I, this is one area I do all these things for. Google spreadsheet formulas, fantastic. You know, if you want to write a okay. formula in Excel, I love doing, I, I live in spreadsheets. I love Google Sheets. And once I, my knowledge of how to do the formulas is very limited. So I used to just Google stuff in the past, but you know, it's, it, it's very challenging to get good answers off that stuff. These things are wonderful. You just say, this is what I want to do. Give me a spreadsheet formula for it. Spits it out. You know, you might have to tweak it a little bit, but works very well for that stuff too. And then you and you're and you're plugging that into Google Google Sheets. Yeah, you can ask it to give you an Excel format. What I mean, it, it knows dozens of programming languages. Uh, 
yeah, so that's another good thing. But again, that also makes it easier for people to abuse it. So yep. be on the lookout for this much more sophisticated phishing attacks also. Yeah. So what I, my takeaway from our talk today is a couple of things. One is, you know, hey, if you want to up your, your language in terms of what you're writing and how you're writing it to make it sound better, um, that's not based on on facts because mm -hmm. it doesn't understand. I heard that loud and clear. What it is really doing is just pulling data that it has access to that's everywhere. And then it's just compiling a story, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to go through and fact check it. But you can with just basic types of content. Like, for example, if the more I put in there specific wise and what I say, and I say, write this, it's going to give me back more factual information because I'm preloading. No, not more factual information, right? Nothing you can, you can give it more, like you can give it different context and you can point it towards kind of grooves that are deeper, more deeply carved. The more deep it's got in an area, the more likely it's going to be to be mostly factual. But, you know, it, I think about less in terms of being more factual and more in terms of where you're pointing it in the training data. That's how the, I think about it. The direction you're giving it to start with. Exactly. That's the context window of, you know, pretend you're an expert in this or all that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. So, so, so more clarity in terms of what you're putting into it and then, and then, and then being very uh, diligent about reading what you're getting back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and then the, the things not to do is don't take it at face value. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take it with a healthy grain of, of salt with anything it's giving you. But I will say, I'm a very skeptical person. I've been blown away by the quality of responses that I get from it. So, you know, I don't want to represent that it's not giving you good answers even on factual questions, it's going to give you some really good stuff. You just want to, you know, double check it. What I like to do is run the same query through two different models and double check because they're, they're, when they give you an active information, the word for that in this, for these systems is hallucinations. Yep. And so I try and check for hallucinations by, you know, putting it through two or three of them, looking at the points of commonality and then Googling those myself. Yep. And the other big tip I'll give, uh, so there's a, a fantastic app called Poe, P-O-E, it's okay. by, by Quora, I think, actually, are the ones who run it. But it's kind of like a, a chatbot store, basically. So you can use, so Claude 2, I love. It's a- What's, what's Claude 2? It's, it's C-L- C-L-A-U-D-E. It's, so there's a bunch of co-founders of, or not co-founders, but very early employees of OpenAI who helped develop the technology behind ChatGPT, who left in 2020 to start their own company, Anthropic, to create a, a more safety-minded chatbot. So, you know, the idea is that it's like, it's gonna be a little bit more on the rails. It's not gonna give you wild answers as much. You know, I, I find it to be about similar to GPT-4, but okay. the core thing, I, I guess, if people are gonna use these tools, don't waste your time with ChatGPT, right? ChatGPT is like two and a half, three-year-old technology right now. GPT-4 is the cutting edge of what's out there. Okay. So if you're using ChatGPT, yeah, it costs money, if you're a real estate agent, you know, it's worth paying for tools you're going to use on a regular basis. If you're going to be writing marketing copy and things like that, right? If you don't need them, don't feel like you need to pay for them. But if you're using GPT, chat GPT, just know that is not current technology. If you pay for Poe, what I like about it is you pay, I don't know, I forget what it is, 120 bucks a year or something. And you get access to GPT-4, Claude 2, all of the most advanced models that are out there. So, you know, you're... You're getting to use multiple models. I, I like it personally. And if you don't want to pay for anything, Claude 2 is about at the same level as GPT-4 and it's free. 
and it's free. Okay, so so Poe is 120 bucks a year, and it gives hey, you hey, don't quote me on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, I'll look it up. <laughs> the show notes, and then Claude Two is uh, is free, mm -hmm. uh, and that's and that's tapping into uh, a little bit more than what you said the GPT four um, technology, right? It's very similar, like they kind of like you know they're kind of parallel similar products. Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, well, I mean, this has been this has been great, and I and I think my takeaway really is that you know there's so much more we can learn from this. There's so mm -hmm. much more that's coming down the road, um, and that uh, you know I love the fact that you said, hey, if if you're not using it, don't panic like you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and I would also say this: play around with it. I mean, I, I think that's one of the ways that I started learning about. It. I said, you know, let me just go in and just see what it does. Mm -hmm. I, I asked it to write me a song about bananas. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, that stuff, you know? <laughs> that's a, that's like surrealist prose part, right? Like for party tricks, it's amazing. Yeah. But the question is, like, beyond the party tricks, what do you actually use it for on a daily basis? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I I've I've heard a lot of people say, you know, that I, well, I just go ask Chat GPT, and I think that's the other thing too. Is I'm learning from this conversation today is be careful what you ask it, and be careful where you what tool you're using to ask that question. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know. I do the same thing. I start my searches now on SGE, GPT four, and Claude two, and then I compare the similarities and differences. And what I've noticed just time and time again is that SGE, the one that's built into Google Search, you know, it has a very strong relationship to facts it's based on google's knowledge graph you know all the same data points google has that's what it's drawing from and it's trained to be extremely factual so it's very it's, it's not like having a conversation it's just giving you results yes. so you know there's just a lot of tools out there it's worth playing around with them and saying what's the best one for whatever i'm looking at doing in this moment right and i also think be careful because i know there's all kinds of google um, videos out there of people now that are claiming to be chat gpt experts um yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's 140 prompts for real estate agents you know and i was watching one of those videos and some of those prompts scare me a little bit i like what uh well write an seo write an seo uh article for my blog that talks about uh the growth of real estate in dallas texas mm. yeah see that one you know you want to double check that because it's again if there have been a lot of articles written about the growth of real estate in dallas texas that might give you a decent result but also, if you're using ChatGPT, like you said, ChatGPT is trained in either 2021 or 2022. Yep. You know, the, there's just a lot of, lot of stuff to think about. We didn't really go into it in much detail, but if you want a version of the chatbots that's connected to the internet, your two options are Bard from Google, which, you know, I think is usually a little behind GPT-4 and Claude 2 in my experience. But, you know, it's connected to Google search results. So it's their LLM their version of GPT-4 that's connected to the internet. So B-A-R-D-E-D? B-A-R-D. B-A-R-D, okay, Bard, okay. A medieval Bard. Like the idea is that yeah, it's, they have a, like, they're not, not great at names, I think, but that's right. the version. I've had some great success with Bard for really specific website things. Like I was, I did a bunch of testifying in the state legislature this session. And at one point I wanted to find out, is there a way to see the names of people who signed in to testify for a committee hearing in the state legislature in Washington that's in the past. And I plugged that into Bard and it gave me, here are the five steps, dead set perfect, right? So I've had some, some success with Bard for things that require some of that stuff for real-time information. And then the other alternative is being chat. I don't know what Microsoft's calling it now, but right. it's a version of GPT-4 that has access to Bing, 
So it searches the web and summarizes what it finds. I found it to be not quite as good as BARD in that regard, but those are your two options if you want to be able to use this for web search with that same LLM chatbot style interface. And then if you just want a more terse kind of like, you know, summary piece, SGE is fantastic for that. So, I, so I'm, I'm going to reference these. So for our listeners that just heard, we had uh, S, SGE, then that is uh, search. Uh, generative experience. Generative experience. And that, mm -hmm. okay, we've got that. Then we've got Poe, which is a paid for. we got Claude too. Um, and then we've got Bard and we've got Bing Chat. So, yeah. okay, perfect. Yeah, a lot of options. And we haven't even talked about the image generators, which I think are just incredible. <laughs> well, let's, uh, five minutes, let's go. Yeah. Give me about so it. The, you know, I think this is less relevant for real estate because, you know, we don't really need high quality graphics for most things, but the the image generators work and the underlying technology is somewhat similar to the chatbots, but they're doing it for, for pictures. And mm -hmm. the results you can get with some of these things are amazing. The cutting edge one is called Midjourney, and it's only accessible right now. Midjourney. You've got to pay 10 bucks a month to use it. It's only accessible through a Discord bot. It's like, it's not an accessible interface. But, you know, I, I paid 10 bucks a month. I figured out Discord to be able to use it. It's got some really amazing, there's some amazing stuff you can do, but it's very similar. You've got to like write a two paragraph long prompt and really fine tune the details, but it can get you back some really amazing results. I think OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT is OpenAI. Their version of this is called DALL-E, D-A-L-L-E. Very easy to use, not as powerful. You know, Microsoft has their Bing image generator or something like that that's based on Dolly. So there's a lot of these out there, but the big ones are Midjourney, Dolly. I've heard Stable Diffusion is another one. I think it's an open source thing you have to run locally, but I don't know. So, you know, if you want to generate kind of like stock photos for something you're using, Dolly is probably the easiest one to play around with. But if you want to really get on the rabbit hole, Mid-journey is just incredible what you can do with it. And so what it's doing is based on your description, it's generating an image. Exactly. That's yeah, so like, so I, give me an example. Yeah, you used it. Give me give me an example. Well, like let's just, you know, you've got it can do kind of celebrity somewhat well. So let's say, you know, the CEO of Google is Sundar Pashai. Yeah. I can say, give me an image of Sundar Pashai standing in front of the world's largest bookshelf behind a fjord in Norway with 14 eagles flying across in the sunset uh, and it's 7.42 p.m. shot with a Canon f-stop of 2.0 on this kind of lens with this filter and it, and it spits out four options and you kind of go back and forth between them. It, it's just, it's incredible when you play around with it. So where would you see this application being used for real estate agents? I think it's a fairly niche application, but like, you know, if you're doing YouTube videos or something and you want to generate a preview. I, I don't do any social media, so I, I'm, I'm guessing right. it's like, something related to social media posts and wanting graphics to go along with them. Trying to generate a graphic for a blog post. You know, you see this all over the place now with people, news articles and things, just have these little kind of custom generated images that are specific to that article that they use Midjourney or Dolly to create. Yep. I, uh, for my example is uh, giving talks, like a keynote talk. And mm -hmm. I want to have a slide deck that's all based yeah. on really, really, slide deck's great for really images that are really thought provoking. Well, so I mean, not to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but Microsoft is coming out with a, I forget what they're calling it, Copilot or something like this. It's going to be a $30 a month subscription. In the beginning, it's just for big organizations. So as individuals, you can't sign up for it. But like if Windermere wanted to do it, they probably could. And it just integrates, it's a GPT-4 essentially, 
with the entire suite of Microsoft products. So you can go into PowerPoint and say, give me a slide deck with 15 decks covering these points, generate images like this, and it's just auto-populates the entire thing. Wow. And what's yeah. that called? That was going to be called what? I think it's called Copilot. Copilot. Yeah, they Microsoft has a lot. They're just like been talking about products left and right. But there's they've got some interesting things in the works. And one of the things Microsoft's doing too is with all these things, all they're doing is reacting to the training data you give them. So one of Microsoft's options is going to be to train it on all of your Word documents and spread, you know, Excel spreadsheets and all these things. So you can query it about just that data. You know, we've wow. seen how well that works, how accurate it is. Like this is people are just figuring this stuff out. But that's the idea is that you can say, write me a PowerPoint using the financial numbers from last year. And, you know, that's a dream. I don't think the technology is there yet, but, you know, it's not actually out in the world. So we can't really play around with it. So hanging on to all my old PowerPoints was a good thing. Who knows? Maybe it will be. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it just goes into train open AI and make everything else. Yeah, better make, make that <laughs> great. Um, so, so you know a lot about this, and obviously you do a lot of research. Uh, if for our listeners, if they wanted to learn more or get more in depth understanding of these things, what, what would you where would you suggest they look? Well, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, start by listening to the Hard Fork podcast. What's it called? Hard Fork. It's a podcast from the New York, New York Times. It's the New York Times tech journalist and this great tech journalist named Casey Newton. Uh, and it's very accessible. It's designed for a very general audience. And they just talk about big advances in technology every week. And like 80% of the show is about AI. So they're just talking about whatever the latest AI news is, talking about the new models, interviewing the CEOs of the companies. If you're only going to listen to one thing, that's probably what I would recommend. Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I just like, I mainstream all the news about AI, but I feel like it comes from so many different places. And, then, um, and, that, I, and that podcast is called Hard, like H-A-R-D Fork? Yeah, Hard Fork. Hard and then yeah, The Verge, I think, probably does a pretty good job as a free outlet of covering a lot of this stuff. Uh, and obviously, The New York Times covers a lot of the big things. Right. If you want to pay for a, a platform, I love Casey Newton's newsletter, Platformer. Just does a great job of kind of highlighting all the big stories. So it comes out twice a week. There's a kind of one big story and just a bunch of little link roundups that cover all the little things. I really like that one. And uh, there's another, Benedict Evans has a great newsletter too that comes out, I think, roughly once a week. Okay. And it's like a high level look at a lot of the trends in this area. We'll begin with a bunch of good link roundups. That's great. That's the ones that I would do. Yeah. Uh, so last question. So let's yeah. say you owned a real estate office. <laughs> and, you, and you have these agents that are reporting to you. And they say, hey, Sol, we want to use AI. What would be like a, a one sentence you would just say to them coming from it as being an owner or a manager of an office? One sentence. That's great. Okay. What would my one sentence instruction would be about AI be? That's great. We've got a resource doc for you that'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> love it okay so, so it sounds like we need to work on a resource doc for ai absolutely yeah yeah i, yeah, I, I and I, I asked that question a little bit tongue-in-cheek but i asked it because i do think that um i think it's important that we educate uh you know the brokers and the agents that hey this is a tool it is available you can't access it but let's be careful in what we're doing yeah and you know i think about the analogy people like to use is that you know the generative AI movement is kind of analogous to the mobile revolution in that we all started using phones 
you know, that's kind of the, the analogy everyone likes to use. And the reality is we have no idea what this is going to turn into, right? Though it's a very exciting moment. There's a lot of possibility ahead. The capabilities now are really incredible, but we tend to kind of get out ahead of ourselves and assume they're capable of more than they are currently. So I think right now the biggest thing to do, and you know, I think they're more useful in a lot of other areas of our lives than they are in real estate, frankly. But I think just get in there, play around with the tool, and then you'll see if there are things you can use it for in real estate. And if there aren't, I wouldn't think about it as this like it's like, you know, I don't know, social media is maybe not the right analogy either, but it's kind of like when social media started getting big, everyone's like, oh, you have to be on social media, you have to be on Twitter. It's like, oh, why do I have to be on Twitter? You yeah, know, why? Why do I if, if you don't have a good social media for real estate agents it's like if you have a strategy around it you spend a lot of time on it you spend a lot of money on it it's great right if you just create a twitter account because you think you need twitter it's a complete waste of your time yeah so i think ai is maybe not exactly the same but it's easy to get caught up in the hype cycle and think i have to do this i'm missing out there's some huge thing this thing yeah you know right now it's fairly basic yeah. for real estate you're not missing out a lot if you're not using ai um but there are things that can help you with around the edges for sure Yep. And in our, in our coaching, when we, with when we're coaching, we coach agents, the things we say is simply this is, hey, if you have an idea of something you want to do, give it a shot, plug it in and see what it generates. Mm -hmm. but don't rely on what it generates. Fact check what it generates mm -hmm. um, and, and just be and, and just use it, uh, use it, uh, you know, sparingly in terms of just be aware of what you're putting out there. Um, I think we can get much more specific than that, right? Like, I think we can say you can have kind of like a chart that says, OK, these are the options. This is what they're good at. This is what they're not good at. If you're going to use this model over here, try these prompts. Like, I think you get really granular with the way you, that's why you might one sentence was like, here's our cheat sheet about that. Because I think that it's very easy, I think, to put together a document that gives people a good starting point who don't have a lot of context for it. Right. Um, yeah, because the models as they exist right now are relatively simple to use but kind of unknown in scope. One of the things people talk about is like the black box problem, right? It's like a user interface thing. There's some of these image generators where like Adobe has one called Firefly, where I haven't used it, but from reading about it, you know, whenever you're generating the image, it's not just typing a bunch of text into a black box. It's got all the little controls on the side. So you can say, okay, do this and that and that over there. And we just don't have that for these systems. So there's just, just like a, a hidden control panel, right? And we don't know what all the knobs are. So just kind of highlighting some of those knobs I think is a lot of what we can do as a starting point for for people who are just starting to play around with it. I I I totally agree with you, and that, that I've written that down as a project that I need to look into. So, mm -hmm. hey, here's a <laughs> something great that we can produce. Mm -hmm. um, well, hey, uh, so I want to thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate. It. I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you uh, and tap into your knowledge, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely, my email address is Windermere. S O L at Windermere.com. Oh, I love you. You got the best. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> you know, there's a, I know your soul. There's a gentleman in a, in our, our Kirkland office named Saul. Soul. Oh, I get it. Yeah, no, the, the ones yep. that I get my email crossovers for are Saul Simmers, S-O-L-S yep. at Windermere, yep. and Steve Levasque, S-O-L-D at Windermere.com, which is a <laughs> great email, by the way, soul at Windermere.com. I, I know. He, yeah, he was early on. He was totally, <laughs> I love that. Um, well, hey, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And we always say this to all of our listeners. If you like what we're putting out there, let us know. If you found this to be helpful, please feel free to share it. And if you have ideas about content you'd like us to cover, or you think you could have good content to be on our podcast, reach out to me at fanning at winnerber.com. 
And we always end these by saying, be awesome and help somebody. And Soul, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to Bye. you later. Bye. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.